Hey guys, what's up? And welcome to the Pink Lemon Fest podcast. This is the second episode. So today, Irene and I will be talking about what it takes to be a homeowner, just the journey beforehand, um, some of the things you need to know as far as the different loan products, some of the things it takes to qualify for those different loan products, and we'll also be touching on credit and what you need to do there. And Irene will also be sharing her journey, a little bit of what it took for her to become a homeowner, as well as her realtor experiences. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you guys think. Leave a comment or leave a review. And yeah, share this episode if you found something useful. All right, enjoy. What your budgeting should look like and consist of. And then we'll also be going into credit. All right. So these are some things that we want to share with you about the pre-approval process when it comes to buying a home or getting started on the journey um, before you even go to the lender to be approved. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. Um, I'm not sure if most homeowners know this or not, but when you're going into home ownership, you should always have some kind of cash reserve set aside, some money in the bank, um, just in case something happens. Um, and most of the time, your lender will require that you have a certain amount of cash reserve set aside in that bank. But um Sometimes they don't. Sometimes your lenders are trying to just get you approved so that you can get that home um, and they can make a sale, unfortunately. Um, and Kiana, she wants to share some light on that because she is actually about to get her. Well, you, you do have your mortgage license, right? Yes, I'm a licensed mortgage loan originator. Right. For the state well, of Florida, soon to be Alabama. So she knows all about what lenders are looking for because she's one herself. So just tell us a little bit about that. Like what? As far as reserves go, what what is typical for the lender to require? Yeah, so it depends on the loan product that you have. Um, some different, some loan products require that you have a certain amount of um, reserves. Like most of the time, conventional requires that you have some form of reserves, and the reserves just kind of depend. The amount of reserves just kind of depends on the loan amount that you are um, getting approved for, and your income. Sometimes, so those things have a factor in how much the ma- the lender wants to see. Now, as far as you having reserves, um, when you do have reserves, you have to make sure that those reserves are tracked, meaning that they've been sitting in your bank account for at least six months. Sometimes um, three months, once again, depending on the different product, the type of product that you have or loan rather, um, they have different standards. But most of the time it's between three to six months that they want to see those funds have been um, sitting there for and they want to know where they came from. So if it was your job, if there was a gift um, from a family or a friend, they still have to be sitting in there for a certain amount of times. And sometimes there will be... um, there will be instances where if it was a gift that, you know, you just received um, during the loan process, they want to make they want to track that gift from that person's bank account. So that person may have to prove that um, those funds came from their job or that they had been sitting in their bank account for a certain amount of time. So you can't just have your uncle give you some drug money, ten thousand dollars and say, hey, I want to put this on my house. No, those funds have to be tracked. Mm hmm. So going into it, it sounds to me that you have to 
kind of know the different loan products to decide what route you want to go. Um, now, I do know FHA is 3.5% down. Um, mm -hmm. Conventional can be what anywhere from 10 to 20%, depending on if you're buying a primary residence or a investor property, investment mm -hmm. property. So those are some of the things that you want to look at as well. You want to talk to your lender about is the type of product mm -hmm. that they have um, based on what it is that you're trying to do. So that way you can kind of create like a game plan for yourself as far as, you know, well, how much money am I going to need to put down? How much mm -hmm. money am I going to need to have in the bank outside of that? Mm -hmm. Right. And these also will consist of the type of property that you are buying. So uh, first time home or or uh, um prime sorry a primary residence versus a second home or a second home versus an investment property because those are different some people may look at a second home as being an investment property but no it's two different things so um you have to know what type of property you're buying and then those will determine the conditions that um you have to qualify for what you need to do to qualify for that type of loan mm-hmm so typically with um, being an actual homeowner, the interest uh, or entry level is a little lower than if you were to purchase an investment property. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep, that's correct. Yep, most of the time that is true. Now, some people will try to buy an investment property um, and, you know, try to go up for the loan as if it's their first home because with the first home is typically you get more, you get more, you know, um, I guess you get more favor. I'll say yeah, more incentives. Yeah. You'll get more favor towards buying your first home versus an investment property. It's a little bit more you have to do and qualify for, and it does cost a little bit more depending on um, the loan product that you have. So mm -hmm. all that is a factor. Um, I, we won't go into that today because those terms and those conditions, it can be a lot. Um, but over the course of the show, we will talk about some things. We'll maybe do some episodes on what an FHA loan is, what you need to qualify for versus a conventional and those things and so forth. So today we pretty much just wanted to kind of talk about the basics um, when it comes to credit and budgeting and I guess the funds or reserves that you need to have and what that looks like. So another um, piece is budgeting. So when you are buying a home, it's recommended that you learn how to budget. If you never have budgeted before, budgeting can be uh, a little hard to say it takes some consistency and it takes some disciplining oh yeah your mind so um exactly you have so, to make it habits it, it has to become your lifestyle that's right so did you have a budget irene or what did your budget look like when um, you first bought your home well when i first bought my home i did not have a budget in place um i just I'm frugal by nature. So I've always saved money. Um, I've never okay. really, you know, indulged in a designer, this designer, that even though I could afford those things, I just always uh, put my money aside for a rainy day. And if I did indulge in something, it would be food or travel or something like that. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, that's good. but a lot of people are not that way so, right. so they have to you know put away for a budget or get in the mindset of um saving for a budget to have for a rainy day because 
having those funds for a rainy day is very, very important, not only to buy the home, but even after you buy the home, because there will be things that come up that need to be fixed in a home and you no longer have a landlord. So you can't just call the landlord to come fix it and it's done. And not only, not only that, you know, anything could happen. Like you could get laid off, like good example, what just happened with the government shutdown. So many people, you know, we're, we're living check to check as, as we all are, if we have a job, you know what I mean? So you, you never know what can happen and you want to set yourself up for success in the long run because anything could happen. Those people who, who, you know, were out of work for how long was it? Was it about a month? Yeah, it was definitely a month. Some people I think was maybe a little longer than others, but I know the official shutdown was a month. I think it was yeah. a month. And the bank still wants their money, you know. So going into home ownership without some kind of reserves is is kind of like a, a plan to fail. You you can't do that. So budgeting is a must. It's so necessary. It's so necessary. It is. It is. So yeah, and so budgeting also takes a different mindset. And it's a different mindset that you need to have as a homeowner versus a renter. So as a renter, there are just things that you don't have to worry about at all, really, versus being a homeowner. It kind of takes some growing up, you know, some, you know, you have to plan. You and fine. <laughs> what? You got to put your big girl pants on. Exactly. Yes, you do. Because yeah. it's a lot different. So you want to make sure that you're preparing your mind to go into home ownership. Okay. All right. So the next piece that we'll be sharing and talking about today with you is credit and what that will look like or what it should look like. So me being a you know, credit specialist, as well as a mortgage loan originator, I always, I always push people to get the highest credit score you can get. Um, I know that there are loans out there, which we offer loans as well, where you can get a home for 580, but that's not what I would recommend. Um, unless it's a diehard emergency and you just need a home, you're trying to buy a home and, you know, very soon and you don't have time to get your credit in order. Take the time to get your credit in order to have the highest credit score so that you can get the best interest rate in the best terms for appro your approval on your loan. Yeah, credit credit is major. Um, a lot of the times people think that they can just jump into home ownership, um, like you said, with a 580. And in fact, you can, but it's definitely not recommended. You'll pay higher interest rates in the long run, and it's going to take you way longer to pay that loan off. So um, financially, it's just not smart. It's not a smart thing to do. And if you are working with a realtor or a mortgage loan officer that is suggesting that you do this, um, I think you should rethink. <laughs> they may not have your best interests. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have their best interests at heart. Um, or maybe they just don't know. You know, maybe they just don't know and haven't taken the time to know. Um, whatever it is, I say run. <laughs> and that's another thing you want to take the time out to assess your realtor properly you want to make sure oh, yeah. you have a realtor that's really working hard for you there are some lazy realtors out here who are just trying to make a quick dollar and they are able to do that and take advantage of people who don't know you know but, but you know what Karen I think a lot of the times even it's some realtors out here who just don't know because they don't take the time mm -hmm. to educate themselves either on credit that's true too 
So definitely take the time out to, you know, research your realtor and make sure that they're working hard on your behalf. Right. Uh, my realtor, she didn't ask me any questions as far as, you know, finances goes or, you know, do you have some money set aside? Like, no, she just passed me along to her mortgage uh, officer and went from there. <laughs> now, what about you as a realtor? Like, what do you do to make sure that you're doing, you're um, having the best, the buyer's best interest at heart? Well, I have a conversation, just a simple conversation and find out, you know, what things have they done to prepare for home ownership? Um, try to get them to share that with me. A lot of the times, you know, the, that information is kind of sensitive to people. Um, they may be embarrassed or feel some kind of way that they don't have the credit that they need. But I just, you know, try to pull that information out of them to let them know, you know, I'm trying to help you here. You know, let's we need a plan in place to get to where you're trying to go. And all I'm trying to do is help you formulate that plan. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So it's best you as the buyer to know or the consumer to know uphand, you know, going into this process, do your own research first and know what the dynamics are to buying a home, finding a realtor and getting approved by the lender. Um, you know your own personal situation better than any realtor, better than any mortgage person or anyone else. So assess it and take the time out to create a plan. If it's not good, figure out what you need to do to get you know yourself in a better position to be ready to buy a home. Real estate will always be there. The, yeah. the interest rates might change, the prices might change, but real estate will always be there. And if it just isn't your time, if you need to take a step back and, you know, take out a little bit more time to get your personal things in line, then do that. Because you want to make sure this is a lifelong decision that you're making. This is something that will alter your life. And you want to go into it with the mindset of building wealth, maybe starting on the path to wealth with this home and what you can do in order to build upon that. So you want to make sure you're getting you know, the best, like I said, the best terms that you can get, the best interest rate that you can get. And credit, I mean, I know credit is not simple. I won't sit here and act like it or say that it's simple because it is not. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know what you're doing, seek out a professional when it comes oh, to your yeah. credit. Right. If you don't know how to dispute, seek out a professional. Um, a lot of times realtors will tell you to just pay things off. Now, you can pay things off. I'm not against you paying things off because at the end of the day, if it's your debt, it's your debt. You're obligated to that debt. However, just make sure that you paying it off is the best for your situation because a lot of times people are told to pay things off by realtors. They pay them off and it's still sitting there as a negative item when it could have been deleted and got you an extra few points. It could right. have took you from a 650 to a 700. And not not only the fact that it is just your debt, um, you know, the, the laws themselves say, you know, if there is something on your credit report that's reporting incorrectly, it has to be removed anyway. So, yeah, it could be your debt. But just, you know, going based off of what the law says, if it's something that's on there and it's incorrectly reporting, it has to be removed. So, you know, you paying that mm -hmm. debt, you could have just you know, been out of $300 when you could have just simply disputed it and looked for the error in the credit reporting method. Yep, definitely, definitely. Because you can do it yourself as well. But, you know, it's a lot of information out there. Oh, yeah. The um, research and do your own credit repair. Oh, okay? wait. Speaking of doing your own credit repair, be careful because I, so many people have gotten sued 
by their creditors because oh, yes. oh, yes. the statute of limitations. So people go in here thinking that it's easy. Oh, repair your own credit. Stop paying these credit repair people. Oh, uh, they scamming you. You're scamming yourself if you repair your own credit and you don't know the laws. Exactly. It's just like is in, in that case. The reason why I say <clears throat> because I if people want to repair it themselves, I'm not against that. But I do say take the time out to really, really do your research. And in your research, you will find that there are statutes of limitations that you need to know about um, those accounts in order for you not to be sued and what you need to do to rectify that situation, that account. So take really take out the time. I'm not against people repairing their own credit, but just like Irene said, it's just like a it's just like a mechanic. You're not a mechanic. So if there's something wrong with your car up under your hood, you try to get up, up, up under there and fix it and you don't know what you're doing, then your car, you know, your car is not going to be fixed. You're right. still going to need a mechanic. And guess because what? You're out of time and money at that point. Exactly. Because you don't know what you're doing now. So now you can maybe get on a YouTube video. I have heard instances, even my husband has got on YouTube and fixed a part of his car or my car before in the past and did it just fine. But um, it just depends. It just depends on you. You know yourself. You know if you're, you know, if you're a good researcher, you know if you've, you're finding out the information. And listen to people who you trust who do credit repair. They offer a lot of different tips. So if you find out something and you're unsure about it, reach out to them or maybe go back and listen to some of their content and see. Like, does it line up with what you researched and what you saw? Because mm -hmm. we are in a day of information. You know, it's mm -hmm. out there. It's readily available. All you have to do is take it and, mm -hmm. you know, apply it. That's right. And if not, you could just go to the FCRA and look up the laws. Yeah. <laughs> There's always that. But once again, like Irene said, it's very time consuming. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've been in this credit game for four years and there are still things that come across my desk that I have to scratch my head about and go and take the time to research. So it's definitely not easy. It's very time consuming. I'm not going to say it can be time consuming. It is. It's time consuming. So if you don't have the time, once again, there's, there are professionals that you can hire to fix that. I do credit repair. Uh, I will also be offering my credit courses and um, credit eBooks. So if you need somebody to repair your credit, reach out to me. Um, that information will be linked when this podcast goes up. It'll be linked in the show notes and under the videos um, wherever it's posted. So mm, I'm sorry. I got a quick credit horror story. <laughs> who at the time when I was in, in the credit field, um, I'm a credit, I'm certified as well in credit, but I had a friend who didn't want to pay for my services and decided that she wanted to pay, you know, do her own credit herself. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'll give her advice here and there when she asked for it, but she wanted to do it herself. So she got everything. Well, not everything. She got a lot of things removed and when they got removed, the credit score went down. <laughs> went down as, as us credit professionals know that if you don't have any other credit reporting on your credit report, of course, it's going to go down because there's no credit there. There's no Or credit. in the event that you have an account on there that serves as your history, you remove that and you no longer have no history. So mm -hmm. then you're starting from scratch. Whereas if you had an account that was a 10 year, had a 10 year history on it and all you did was add more positive accounts to that, 
you had that portion of your credit that fulfilled that history. Mm-hmm. But if you removed it, you're starting all over and now you have no history, which can be a bad thing. Yeah. So don't be like my friend. Get you a professional. <laughs> yeah. Get you a professional. Don't be cheap about it. Okay. Most definitely. Most definitely. So, so yeah, you guys. So that pretty much concludes what we wanted to share with you today. We hope that you found this information very, very helpful. Um, If you have any questions or any suggestions about topics that you would like for us to go over, um, you can definitely message us or get in contact with us however um, you can to let us know what you would like to hear or what questions you may have. And we'll be more than happy to help. Yep. So thanks, guys, for tuning in again to the Lemon Fest, um, where we take lemons and we make lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is only episode three. and We got so much more valuable information and content to share with you guys. And we hope that you stay tuned. Yep. And subscribe. You definitely want to subscribe and share. If you know somebody that's buying a house or that's interested or have any type of interest in buying a house, Definitely share the information and share the podcast with them so they can come get this tea as well. Or lemonade, rather. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Well, you have a good one. And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Pink Lemon Fest. This is episode number three. So for you who have listened to episodes one and two, I just want to say I really, really, really appreciate you guys. I appreciate all of my listeners and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Like you guys are amazing. I've got some really great reviews. People have come back and said how these have helped them, how these episodes are providing them with real instructions on how to get started. So I appreciate that so, so much. However, I did have some questions. So in addition to the information that I talked about last week on the podcast show where there was me and Irene, I gave some steps on how to move toward your home ownership journey and what you need to do to start before even contacting a realtor or a mortgage lender. And I also went into mindset and credit. So if you didn't hear that episode, go back and check it out, you guys. You definitely want to check out that episode. So today is going to be story time. I'm actually going to share a real life experience of what I mean and why that before journey is so important. I mean, because sharing other people's story is what the Pink Lemon Fest is all about. I want to hone in and highlight those journeys. So if you or someone you know has bought a home, And it has to be female because we're dedicated to the mother. So it has to be a mother, okay? But if you know someone who went through the homeownership process, whether they bought an existing dwelling or they did new construction, I want to hear those stories, you guys. Because there's nothing like hearing a good story about a mother's journey to homeownership. So... Let's dive right into the episode. Today's episode is going to be sharing a story. All right. 
Okay, you guys. So today's story will be about a previous client that I had the opportunity of helping them repair their credit. So, of course, I'm not going to give any names or personal information about this person, but I'm just going to briefly touch on this person's journey. All right. So if you guys have any questions about anything, please, as always, email me and leave a review. If this information you're finding on the Pink Lemon Fest podcast is helpful to you in any fashion or form, please leave me a review. This podcast is new and I want it to be able to reach as many people as possible. And of course, share Share the information, guys. There's people out here that needs this, and I'm doing this to help you as well as others. So share. All right. So I had the pleasure of working with my beautiful client, who was a mother, of course, and a wife, and she wanted to buy a home. So her reason for coming to get her credit repair was to, of course, have better credit as well as purchase a home. Now, let me tell you, she made really good money. She was upward of about six figures. So uh, there are often times where you will find people who makes decent to good money have bad credit because some of them, they just never really needed credit. So they never really cared to keep their credit up or make sure it was of standard. So she began began getting her credit repaired. And when she came to me a couple of months after, now I do stress to my clients as well as anyone else, the importance of late payments, late payments. I'm going to do a whole episode on late payments because you guys do not understand how important not getting late payments is when you're on this journey. If you don't have a house and you know someday you want to buy a house, avoid those late payments at all costs. So she had late payments when she came to me on her student loans. They were probably about a year out, maybe a year and a half out when she started the program with me. And she got late payments, which the same thing happened to me, guys. I had student loans. The student loan people were calling me and I had always had them in forbearance. But this particular time they were coming out of that time period. And the student loan people were calling me. However, I was in the process of moving. So during that time, I continued to ignore their calls. And so guess what? That led to them placing late payments on all my student loans. I'm talking about 15 accounts or maybe 10. Maybe that's a little exaggerative. But all these accounts got late payments. Do you know what that did to my credit score? Mind you, I maintained a high 700s this is back before credit scores were in the 900 range because now they go up to 900 but my credit score stayed 
at a 780-ish. Okay? All of these years, up until they came to place those student loans on my credit. Oh, wait, there was one time, you guys, when my loan, my um, credit score did drop also because of an apartment that put a eviction on my credit report. I'll tell you guys about that because it wasn't even a real eviction. But that's another story for another day. Um, so I did rectify that. I ended up fixing my own credit. And that's actually how I got started in the credit repair. But that, like I said, that's another story for another day. With this... I got student loan late payments and it was 90 day late payments, you guys, because when the student, by the time the student loan people call you, you're like 90 days late. Okay. At that point, I kept ignoring them and it just wasn't a good look. It plummeted my credit score. I went all the way down to like a 550. Like what? You have no idea how that feels to have good credit all that time and then your credit score just plummet and it's just like at that moment you're just like what on earth so long story short i end up fixing it got the lates removed which was a daunting task i don't as a credit repair specialist doing credit restoration i don't even tell people that i remove lates anymore because it's super stressful It's very time-consuming, and it takes a lot of work, a lot of work. Now, later, I will share share some tips on things you can do to get late payments removed, but you're on your own with that. I will consult you. I will give you tips, but don't look for me to do it for you because it is hard work. It's, It's very hard work. So back to my beautiful client. She got slates on all her student loans, but at this point, they were like a year, year and a half old, which if you don't know, credit repair, which if you don't know, lates tend to lose their power after a certain time. So after about a year, they're not as hard on your credit score as they are when they're fresh and the same as vice versa two years just to throw in a little tip when it comes to the loan qualifications if you go fha which most home buyers do go fha fha will not even allow you to purchase or get a loan if you have two lates or even one sometimes, depending on what your score is within the last year. So that's something you need to know, which is, again, why I express and stress to you the importance of not missing payments. Because let's say you get, let's say you're like me, and you got all those lates on all those accounts, or you're like the client, same thing. And you're thinking in a couple of months, I'm going to go buy me a house. Even though your credit score (laughs) plummeted, you might still have been able to, let's say, you know, hover at a 660, 650. Maybe you went from like an 800 to a 660, 650. So therefore, that is a credit score that will still get you qualified. However, with FHA, 
if you're a 650 or below, you can't have 130, you cannot have 130 day late within the past year. Okay, so this is again why I stress to you the importance of not missing a payment and doing what it, whatever is necessary to get it paid. If you can, pay the credit cards off. If you know you're struggling to pay them, pay them off. Set up a plan and pay them off. Maybe it will require you to hold your money instead of paying those credit cards. And I hate to say this, but it just may cause for this. This may just be how you are able to get out of that situation with the credit card debt because I've been there. And all the things that I share are things that I've used for my own personal situation. So if you know that you're going to continue to struggle on this credit card payment, don't pay here and then get 60 day late and then you make a payment and then you get 30 day late and then you make a payment and then maybe you go two months again without paying. No, because that's not going to help you, you guys. I'm sorry, but it's not going to help you. If anything, just allow that account to go delinquent. Save your money. Create a plan to get it paid off completely. Let them let that account go delinquent. They're going to close the account. I wouldn't suggest you call to close the account. Just stop using it. But they're going to close it. And they're still going to try to collect from you. Let it go delinquent. And then have your plan ready. So even before it goes delinquent, I would advise you to have your plan ready before then. That way, once it has reached that delinquency and they closed it, you then do what you need to do to pay it off in full to have it removed. So whatever that may consist of, it may consist of credit repair. There are some people out here who can get accounts or credit card accounts removed without you having to pay them. Then there are other times where you have to at least settle the account, meaning you have to pay a portion of the account and they'll remove it. Whatever route you take, just make sure they delete it. Because if you're trying to buy a house, you will not qualify with that delinquent account if it's only a year or two. And if you do qualify in most cases, they're going to make you pay it. Which then goes back into what I always say. Don't pay your negative accounts and allow them to just update as paid negative accounts. Because that still affects your credit score. We want to see those accounts removed completely. No trace of them. Now, there are ways to do that. But I'm telling you, you almost need to be a beast. And you got to be consistent. Okay? So, some of those ways include disputing. Some of those ways include you settling with the credit card company, giving them a portion doing a paper delete saying hey if i pay you x amount will you delete this they agree to it you pay it it's gone because we want no trace of those accounts on the credit report i don't want to see it updated as a paid 
negative collection or pay negative charge off, I want to see it removed. And you do too, because that's going to give you the best leverage on your credit score. Okay, so I just wanted to share that with you guys.